software companies that have been around for a decade have a ton of data. Modern machine learning techniques are able to turn that data into extremely useful models. Salesforce users have been entering petabytes of data into the company's CRM tool since 1999. With its Einstein suite of products, Salesforce is using that data to build new product features and APIs. Simon Chan is the Senior Director of Product Management with Einstein. He oversees the efforts to give longtime Salesforce customers new value, as well as the efforts to build brand new APIs for things like image recognition and recommendation systems. These are domain-specific APIs that are really unique, and they, I think they add a lot of value, and they can form the backbone of entirely new businesses. Companies spend billions of dollars a year on sales and marketing, and I wanted to understand where the best opportunities for Salesforce lie. Simon and I spent much of our time exploring higher-level applications, but we did get to lower-level engineering eventually. There are 600 episodes of Software Engineering Daily, and it can be hard to find the shows that will interest you. If you have an iPhone and you listen to a lot of Software Engineering Daily, you might want to check out the Software Engineering Daily mobile app in the iOS App Store. You can access every episode of Software Engineering Daily, and we give you recommendations based on the ones you've already heard. So you've probably passed over some episodes that you might like. We can give you recommendations on those. I hope you like it, and if you have any feedback, send me an email, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. You can also talk to the creators of the Software Engineering Daily app. They are actively looking for feature suggestions. You can find them in the uh, in the Slack channel, These the creators, Craig and Keith Holliday, valued members of the Software Engineering Daily community, and you can find that Slack channel at the softwareengineeringdaily.com website. I hope you like this episode. Simon Chan is the Senior Director of Product Management with Salesforce Einstein. Simon, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me here. Yes, it's great to have you. Now, I think of the term artificial intelligence as, in in many contexts, a higher-level version of machine learning. It's the productization of machine learning products. And maybe you agree with that. You probably agree with it to some degree. But I'd like this conversation to sort of start with a high-level exploration of some of the applications for artificial intelligence products, and then we'll go into the engineering behind those. So you work at Salesforce. Salesforce has lots of opportunities for assisting customers with AI products. Right. Uh, explain, explain some of the problem domains that Salesforce customers are facing that might be opportunities for AI to be helpful. Yeah, so it's a super exciting topic, and AI is broad. It's a very broad term. 50 years ago or even longer, people start exploring the idea of AI, and at first we think AI is the way to simulate humans, to replace humans. Essentially, a lot of like creepy machines, they try to do what humans can do, and that's the beginning of AI. And Right now, nowadays, a lot of businesses applied AI to make customers more successful, to improve the products, to make things more intelligent. And Salesforce, of course, customers is very important to, to our success. And we applied AI to make it happen. So the focus of AI in Salesforce is in CRM. And I joined Salesforce about a year and a half ago through the acquisitions of my company, Prediction.io, in a company where we built a very sophisticated machine learning server. 
And after I joined Salesforce, I'm increasingly amazed by how broad the scope of CRM is. And I can see companies use Salesforce products in the entire customer success journey, from marketing to prospecting to manage the lead. If you're not familiar with what leads is, essentially the opportunities, like the step before becoming opportunity to buy your product or services. So people use Salesforce to manage the lead and to support customers to sell them products, upsell, cross-sell, to do customer analytics in different channels. So in email, in mobile, even in connected apps, social media, and all this. Salesforce is helping customers basically in every single touch point and applying AI in this whole platform, in this whole ecosystem is super exciting. There are a lot of opportunities we can explore. We can make the day-to-day work smarter and more intelligent. Let's start with the example of a salesperson. Like you said, a salesperson uses a CRM, which is, I think, customer relationship management tool. That's mm-hmm. like basically it, it holds all of your the data about people that are customers or might eventually become customers. And a salesperson who's selling anything, maybe you're selling vacuum cleaners or you're selling a SaaS tool, it doesn't really matter. But in any case, if you're doing modern sales, you're using a CRM, describe some of the data sets that are available in a CRM and how those could potentially be leveraged for artificial intelligence. Yeah, so um, companies used, in, in a sales scenario, they use the CRM to manage, keep track of the pro- progress. So think about it, you using your example, Jeff, if you're running a selling vacuum cleaner products, you probably want to sell it to as many customers as possible. So you the first step is you create a list of potential customers and or, or even the contacts that you have. So you have a giant list of leads, right? And you have a great team of salespeople, but still time is limited. Every day, you can only make a certain number of calls. So you need to prioritize the list. And Salesforce provide what we call Einstein lead scoring. So AI automatically helped you identify who you should call, who you should call today, the top 10 people that every should, salesperson should call. So the data we have in Salesforce, broadly speaking, there are two types of data. We call them standard objects and custom objects. Standard objects is super standard in the CRM space. Accounts, contacts, opportunities, leads, products, things like that. So you can imagine like this is based the basic of getting a CRM up and running. But what's even more powerful is Salesforce has a concept called custom objects. You can define literally any types of data sets you want to put in Salesforce platform. So you can create your own custom applications in your whole, on top of this customer success platform. You can create custom workflows. So we see some very creative ways of using Salesforce platforms extend beyond just uh, managing sales process. For example, some universities, they use Salesforce to manage the admission process and they can use Einstein to predict which candidate or which applicants are more likely to accept the offer. So again, I, what, what impressed me is really the 
scope of CRM is broad is everything about customer. So give that example a little more fleshing out. The example of, uh, let's say I'm uh, I'm a university admissions person, and I'm going to send out some emails to to people to let them know that they got accepted to mm-hmm. my university. What are can you give an explanation for what are some of the predictive models? that are being built behind the scenes that would be able to predict whether or not this university applicant is going to accept the their acceptance into the university, they're going to go with the, that university, like the kind of the, the data sets and, and how those get pulled into a model and how that's going to predict things accurately. Sure. The whole process involves a lot of a lot of components. And Maybe we can broaden the examples, not just the university admissions, but sure. like in the business context, from the first step, you do marketing and you send out a lot of emails. And one challenging thing about email is it's not structured data. So maybe the marketers would write some really cool or really great copywriting text. It just happened that they're in structured data. And in your email, you might include some images. And image is difficult to process in the machine learning sense. But Einstein, we provide Einstein visions and Einstein language, the two APIs that developers can use to understand what is exactly in the email. And with historical data, then now we can map, say, this candidate or this recipient's he or she is more interested in certain keywords or a certain color of image. And the more um, interesting example is cats and dogs, right? You can use Einstein visions to detect an image, whether it's a cat or it's a dog. Some people love cats a lot more, like me, myself, and some people would respond much better to dogs. So by analyzing the emails and analyzing historical data, now we can tell the marketers, for this specific segments of customers, you should um, tailor the emails like such and such for them, and it will increase the response rate. So you can also use Salesforce dashboard, Salesforce analytics to keep track of the results as well. So it's a really like an end-to-end solutions. First, we, we use AI to understand something that normally would require human knowledge to understand, but now we can do it in scale because... Is API is programmatic and makes the marketing campaign much more successful. So what I take that to mean is, if I, let's say I have a campaign of ten thousand prospects and I send uh, emails to to those ten thousand prospects and I have a series of interactions with those prospects, uh, you know, I'm and I'm doing some A/B testing along the way. I'm sending some different images. I'm sending some different keywords. I'm just try- trying to sell all of them vacuum cleaners. And mm-hmm. at the end of that, maybe I sell vacuum cleaners to 500 of them. Yep. And and then in that sense, I have a labeled data set because I've got 500 leads that have converted into people that have actually purchased vacuum cleaners. That's I've also, correct. And I've also got probably a bunch of people who dropped off along the way, like people who maybe I had a phone call with them and I tried to sell them a vacuum cleaner and I can enter it into my CRM that, okay, this person, like I made a little progress with them, but they ended up backing out. And I think where this takes us is machine learning, well, or it's many of the machine learning techniques that are that have been popularized recently are, are very useful for finding correlations along unstructured data 
as long as that data is is labeled. So could you could you explain a little bit more about you know what is going on under the covers to build the models that 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 properly can do those predictions? Like like how is that unstructured data being being framed in a way that the labeling on that unstructured data can be interpreted as a predictive model? Yeah, sure. So when we build AI on Salesforce, we take advantage of one very important fact. Data is already ready on Salesforce platform. So think about it. If you run a company vacuum selling vacuum cleaner, your sales teams is running the day-to-day operation on Salesforce. And the data, the customer data, the product data, leads to conversion is all cleanly available on Salesforce platform. So it forms a really important foundation to build accurate machine learning predictive model. And on top of that, we want to understand a number of things. One is customer. An example is marketer can use Einstein segments to uncover clusters of related customers, and you can target them in a personalized and effective way. So understanding customers is important. Secondly, we already made an example about understanding the content or the product, like the email content or the products that you're selling with visions, with language, understanding. The machines can extract valuable information from just an image or even from like a voice audio files to understand the context of a conversations or to understand the deeper attributes of your product. So now you understand your customers, you understand your products, and Salesforce has the data, historical data, as the label points say, these types of customers love this kind of product. And this is all powerful data sets as a foundation to build machine learning model. In machine learning techniques, training data set is very important. So just like you said, Jeff, you need to feed the machine learning algorithms with successful examples and better not successful examples as well. So we call them label. And with this kind of data, then you can make accurate predictions. And with predictions, you can make smarter decisions. So there's also these these APIs that developers can use that I know are being yep. built for... Yeah, that's the the Salesforce Einstein. That's actually the thing that got got me kind of excited about this. I've been doing you know some shows about different APIs. You know, like I've done shows about Twilio and mm-hmm. Stripe, and APIs are really exciting to me as a developer because I don't want to write yet another image recognition service. I would much rather leverage higher level APIs and stitch these together to build interesting futuristic applications. Talk about some of the APIs that developers can use that have been built for Salesforce Einstein? API is indeed a great way to make AI accessible to broader audience. Through the developer communities, they can build very powerful applications on top of Salesforce. And we actually have a very long history of leveraging the developer community. Think about Force.com. Essentially, that's the foundation of the Salesforce ecosystem. Customers, not only can they use CRM products, the pre-built products, but they can build, they can customize the CRM 
however they want, they can build custom business logics, business process on top of it. And we're extending this success in Einstein in AI as well. So we offer a number of APIs. Einstein language is one. Einstein language APIs consist of Einstein intent and Einstein sentiment. So intent, Einstein intent helps you understand unstructured data and give it a label. So um, for example, a lot of companies use Salesforce service clouds to support customers. When an email is sent in, you want to know which agent or which department you should route the emails to. So with Einstein intent, you can tell immediately and automatically this email is about billing problem or this email is about technical support. You don't need the humans to look at the email and automatically you can route it to the right person. The next one is Einstein sentiment. Very importantly, Einstein sentiment can tell you, hey, this email is um, positive, this email is negative. But we do have one fun thing here is when we build the Einstein sentiment model, we learned that every customer is unique. So I can tell you a funny story. We, we trained a very sophisticated model to say, normally to say, your product is the hottest in the industry. It is a very positive comment, right? You get the hottest products on the market. But there's one customer, they sell air conditioner. So your product is the hottest on the market. It's not that great in that context. <laughs> so we actually opened up the API to enable each customer to train their own model as well. So you can improve the model based on your um, custom industry knowledge. And I think that's very important. That's, we, it, we need to provide that flexibility to make it successful. And on top of Einstein language, additionally, we also offer Einstein visions so you can recognize image. And we see cust customers using it with great success to detect the brands, like on social media, they can say they can see immediately this photo contains my logo and is something to say about my company and I want to monitor that. It is super useful for our customers and we see more and more developers uh, using it to build very creative applications. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. So the sure. brand detection model, I find this interesting because I'm uh, I'm working on a, an advertising product right now. Okay. I've, I've, I've small company I'm, I'm uh, building, you know, is this like something we could potentially use? And, but I think about it like, I wonder how this is built because so, so let's say you, you want to, let's say you're a small like peanut butter company and you make a custom peanut butter, you know, it's, it's really good peanut butter. It's high quality, you know, but there's probably a small customer segment that buys it. You don't know who those customers are because it's at stores all across the world and, so, but people are taking pictures of it. You know, maybe they they're 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 making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and they mm -hmm. take a picture of it and they put it on Instagram, and and that's like something that you want. So maybe you you know you've got some crawler going over Instagram posts and looking for you know pictures of your peanut butter. Uh, so, but how do you train that model? Like, if I'm just a random peanut butter company, mm -hmm. how am I using a brand a brand detection API or or you know? Or maybe you could just talk more broadly about how that model is trained, how that, that specific API, the brand detection, 
API, the idea that I can upload a, a photo or call an API on a photo and be able to detect brands within that. How is that built? You need to give the machine a lot of examples. And you don't want to give the machines the perfect examples. Like, Of course, you can send the perfect logo to it and say, hey, this is the peanut butter logo. But what we really want is photo that is not so perfect. Like the peanut butter logo appears in just one on, on the table in a messy <laughs> dining table in, in the house. That's what we want. And with that table, you labeled it, say, hey, this area, this particular area is peanut butter. And even better, you don't need to label that. You can just submit thousands of photos with that peanut butter jar and say, hey, the peanut butter jar is within this photo. Figure it out, the metrics, figure it out how you want to detect it. So behind API, we have deep learning technology. We spend a lot of resources, a lot of time to invest, to, to invent new edge cutting technologies to detect this kind of logo. And so developers, they don't need to worry about which algorithm we're using. But what they need to worry about is, how do I find more examples to tell Salesforce Einstein, hey, this photo, we have peanut butter jar. And this photo, we don't have peanut butter jars. And then you can figure it out. So we have, underneath, behind the API, we have some, what we call global model with pre-trained data set. So we train the model to detect that this particular area is likely to be a logo. And we trained it with some existing information that we have. But for smaller companies or for new products, you can submit your own data through the APIs to Salesforce Einstein. And the deep learning engines will train based on your data automatically. Mm -hmm. And the API will provide an endpoint for you to query the result. So by querying the result, it means that you submit the image through the REST API or through pointing to locations, and then we can return the result with some confidence score to say um, 80%, we're 80% confident that it's a peanut butter jar, or it's like 60% we're confident that it's a peanut butter jar, but we're 70% confident that it is something else. Mm -hmm. So it's not an absolute prediction to say we normally prediction is, doesn't come with like 100% accuracy. But we make the best estimation, best predictions through the data, uh, through the data endpoint results. Developers can decide how they used it. Right, and it sounds like with if you have some kind of curation endpoint, then you can also continuously improve the yep. model over time. That's uh, correct. Yeah. And and you can sometimes we learn new models periodically, and sometimes we update the model in real time. So it really depends on the use case. In the image recognition case, we don't see the need of real-time updating the model. But sometimes, like for example, um, security or other areas that we see that we actually need the model to be updated in real time. So I have a photo sharing app, like I said, that I'm that I'm building. And just assume it's Instagram, and I know that okay. Einstein Einstein also has this recommendation system, this rec recommendation API. So, like, let's say I'm I want to use this recommendation API to rank my feed of photos. Like, I've got there's got a bunch of a corpus of photos 
uh, and some number of those photos are going to be are going to be uh, you know displayed to my to you know certain users. I mean, I I like this idea of just having a recommendation system as an API because mm-hmm. who wants to who wants to build yet another recommendation system? <laughs> this has been done so many times. So explain how I would leverage an API to be able to build a recommendation system. That's a perfect example because in my previous research, I my understanding is a lot of recommendation algorithms they're not good at handling images. They might be good at handling content, news, text, um, recommendation, or they may be good at looking at historical behavior. And then based on collaborative filtering algorithms, then they make recommendations. But image, photo sharing is a very tricky example. But thanks to Einstein visions, now we can extract very valuable information from image automatically. So in a Instagram Instagram example, you upload an image. Einstein visions can classify the image, can detect what is in the image, can detect how many of such objects are in the image. So let's say you upload a cat photo. I always like to use the cat example because I have two cats at home. So Einstein visions can classify that. Okay, this is like a casual um, daily life photo and there are cats in it, and not only that, there are two cats in it. Now we understand products, right? Products means the photo in this case. The next step is we need to understand the users or the customers, usually in Salesforce context. Customers means, understanding customers means we want to understand what will attract their attentions. So based on previous photos that you share, or based on the previous photo that you like, you browse more, with all this information, we have built, we can build a really decent graph about each customer. And not only that, we can cluster customers, say, you are similar to this other 50 people. And because they like this cat's photo, it's a new cat's photo, even though you, you, don't, you didn't tell us you like it, but we think that you may like it. So we can recommend that photo to you. So back to the um, basics of recommendation of machine learning is really about understanding the product, understanding customers, and find correlation between product to product, customer to customers, and customer to products. Mm. I see. Can you talk more about what's going on in the back end with, with this kind of API? Like when I'm using it, like what's going on under the covers? Yeah, that's my favorite topic, actually. <laughs> ah, um, Salesforce acquired my company, um, Prediction.io. And Prediction.io is a very popular Spock-based machine learning server. And the technology behind, we focus really on production scale and scalability. And when we train the model, it's all distributed. When we serve the model, it's elastic, it's scalable. And when we built Einstein platform, we got a lot of inspiration from the technology that we have built in the past. One thing that is unique in Salesforce is it's multi-tenant, meaning when you're one single company, you're building the model for yourself. You just focus on your one specific data set. But Salesforce, we have 200,000 customers and more. And 
We want to be the personal data scientist for every single company. It's not just for one company, but every single one of them. We want to take the heavy lifting for them. But how can we do that when it's one platform for so many companies? So we need to automate a lot of machine learning processes like feature extraction, model selection, model testing, model tuning. We need very sophisticated technologies to automate every one of them for each company. So going back to the uh, image or, or sentiment analysis example, we in some use cases we will build a global model so you can just come in and use it. But we also provide the flexibility for each companies to train or update the model for their specific need with the specific data set. In some cases, for example, Einstein lead scoring, we even build every model based on every customer's unique data. So you're not sharing the model with other company. We just automatically build it with your own data. So the scale is huge, as you can imagine. We need to process a lot of data, build and manage a lot of models, and serve a lot of customers at the same time. Talk about some of the machine learning frameworks that you're using. The standard one is, of course, Prediction I was built on Spark, and we definitely use a lot of standard technology like Spark, like uh, Storms. But we also have a lot of proprietary technology that we built in-house because of the uniqueness that we have. So every single step in our machine learning pipeline, we need to make sure that they're robust, they're stable, and they're scalable. And we have very rigid tests for for all, for all each each of the steps. Well, okay, so you mentioned like Spark and Storm and some proprietary stuff. Just to kind of give some overview for like what are the use cases where you have Spark running under the covers, where are the use cases for Storm, and then what are the places where you had to build some kind of from scratch technology? It is a very um, interesting engineering questions. We always ask like the product team, the engineering teams always discuss when should we use existing technology and when should we start developing our own? The basic principle is we try not to reinvent the wheel. So whenever there's existing product that can meet our requirements, um, they're robust, they have a good, strong community support, and it passes our trust um, security test, of course, then we will try to use them. But there are many cases that we actually need to build our own. For example, to fulfill the multi-tenancy nature of Salesforce, we need a lot of technologies to automate the process, to automatically scale the system, to automatically train the model, to automatically store the model. And we need to manage the model versions because there's so many customers and we need to update the models um, every day. So there are a lot of technologies that we need to build in-house just because we we can't find comparable technology on the market. Okay, so well, just diving into this a little bit more. So I, when I, I, I did some shows about Spark a while ago, and I did some shows yep. about Storm, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't remember it super well, but my my recollection is like Spark is really good if you have this big data set that you want to pull into memory. You want to have a working set in memory and you just kind of want to perform a bunch of different operations, like a series of operations on this, and you just keep it all in memory at the same time, as opposed to the pre-Spark days where you kind of had like a Hadoop, 
a series of Hadoop jobs, and every time you run a Hadoop job, it checkpoints to disk, and that creates a lot of latency as opposed to just having everything in memory with Spark. And then Storm is sort of more of like a workflow thing where it's like you've got these series of nodes in a graph, and uh, everything that's that's streaming that comes in, you're streaming through this this Storm graph or i mean this might be a, a bad explanation of the two but i'm just trying to but then i also remember plenty of people saying well for most things you can use either spark or storm and it doesn't really matter it just matters like kind of how you want to use it you know what's your preference uh but i, I guess i am just trying to to drill down a little bit deeper into where you where you would select spark and where you would select storm Right. So um, going back to Salesforce context, we have a lot of applications, right? Uh, different business lines. For example, um, we have sales, service, marketing, commerce, analytics. And beyond that, we also have IoT and other stuff. We Einstein covers all these grants. So there are different data science team building solutions for different product lines. Sometimes we need really fast, real-time processing. For example, in the IoT case, uh, the device data comes in and you want to process them immediately. You can't even afford to have the micro-batch latency. So you need real, real-time processing. Hmm. So in, in these areas, maybe technology like Storms will be better. Yeah. In some other areas, we focus more on how how well you can maintain the software code, how well you can share the code, reuse the code, then maybe the more the technologies that the team's more familiar with, like Spark and other micro batch or batch processing technologies will be more suitable. So we don't have a clear cut to say, hey, we're a Spark shop or we're a Storm shop. It really depends on the applications and the teams. We, and we also move fast. As I said, we, we're not like only stick to only what's available on the market. In some teams, we just have to develop our own internal technologies to fulfill the need. Do any examples come to mind of when you had to build something? So in, in, in my team, we focus a lot on the scalable data science side. So... We use a combination of existing technologies and um, technologies that we built to automate the process. And I think this is a one very interesting data science problem people normally don't find in other places is you have so many customers and you need to automatically extract information, build a model for them, and manage the models. So... Model management is one area that we invest a lot of resources into. We, we can get into the more of the details, but I, I can tell you that this is really one area that we attract a lot of ten, talents to work in the company because this problem is challenging and it's, it's so unique. But at the same time, you can bring, if you can achieve that, it will bring a lot of impacts to, to the world. A lot of people, a lot of AI practitioners, we want to make AI more accessible to customers. And I think in Salesforce, this is truly the place where when you build one solution, let's say you build Einstein lead scoring, you build one application and 100,000 customers can use it, which impact each of them have a lot of customers. So we're building a platform, Einstein platforms, 
where you can build one application but used by a lot of companies. Yeah, okay. I really want to dive into the orchestration and scaling of machine learning models because we touched on this a little bit in a show I did with Matt Zeiler from Clarify. And he was he was talking about how you know I think their typical uh, way that they you know like let's say you have a you have a model that you've trained and you deploy it to a container a Docker container and they I think they use Kubernetes so the Docker container running on Kubernetes and and then but the problem with that is like you have new examples that come in and you want to update the model so you know do okay are you updating the model in real time no like we we update the model I think I think what he said was you update the model offline. And then, you know, eventually you spin up a new container and and then, you know, gradually sh- shift the traffic from the old model to the new model. But, you know, that was with, you know, that's that was like a simplified example. And there are lots of caveats. And it sounded like a really interesting problem. Basically, this intersection of, like you said, model management and mm-hmm. uh, and server orchestration. So could you talk could you talk about that in a little more detail? Is that is, is does that explanation I gave? Is that sound consistent or similar to what you do? Yeah, so let's go back to the idea of AI processes or machine learning technology. In my view, there are several areas that require a lot of computation resources. We start with training, right? You need to take a lot of data, be it activity data, historical data, or image, or voice, or unstructured text. Essentially, a lot of data. And in the training stage, the goal is to use this training data with labels to produce a model. It requires a lot of computation resources. So training, training, train the initial model or retrain the model periodically, that's one stage. If you talk about batch mode, if we need to rechange the model, retrain the model. The second stage is how do you use the model? So using the model, broadly speaking, you can divide it into scoring, so um, or infer like batch scoring. You have a model, you run through all the targets you want to predict, and you produce prediction. So that's also a very heavy process. But sometimes you want to serve the model on demand. So we call that real-time serving. Essentially, you have a model. You don't make all the prediction immediately. But based on the real-time query, maybe with some context, you make on-the-fly prediction. So serving is another one. The resources you need is different between scoring, batch scoring, and serving, right? One is more about real-time latency. The other one is more about making a huge amount of prediction and you need to store the prediction effectively. And then uh, model evaluation. You need to see how well your model is you need to run it against some evaluation metrics. So evaluation is also important. Mm. And then the last one is model update. So in the batch mode, you can retrain the whole model again. But in some scenarios, you want to update the model on the fly. We call it online learning. Essentially, when a user gives you a real, like new label, you want to update the model immediately. So these are the f- categories I would consider you require a lot of resources. Some of them, you can make it a batch job. Some of them, would we, and in, in the batch job case, then we need to estimate the size of the job. We have developed technology to do that. Each customer is unique. Some of them, they have really large data set. Some of them, they're just getting started. They have um, less data. So we 
automatically estimate the job size and allocate the right resources to do this um, training job. On the other hand, product owners need to understand the application context. We need to determine whether these applications required real-time predictions or these applications uh, is better to make it like a batch predictions. And I think a lot of people are confused about um, batch and real time. So some you can you can have a mix of them. You can update, you can train the model in batch, but you can still serve the model in real time. You don't need to have the whole thing real time. And all these decisions, all these product questions guide us to determine what technology we use and how we want to dy- dynamically scale the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So it's really like no one clear answer was the best solution because there again, there's so many applications in Salesforce. But these are all interesting product plus engineering questions we work together. And I'm actually very excited working in Salesforce Einstein because there's so many experts in, in the team. We have experts in infrastructure, we have experts in data engineering, we have experts in data science. So we have a lot of discussions every day. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so what about the the scaling and orchestration with regards to the larger server capacity planning? So, you know, you, you've got all these models that you're building for customers and, you know, new models are being spun up all the time new customers are coming in, you're scaling up, you're scaling down. Mm-hmm. How does that relate to like this overall server capacity planning? Where is the sure. pool of servers that you're accessing and how do you kind of predict how much resources you, you're, you're going to need available just in case of spikes and whatnot? Einstein runs on Salesforce trusted multi-tenant cloud and it includes both proprietary and Amazon AWS infrastructure. So sometimes we just leverage existing technology to scale. AWS is an example. In some areas, we have our own scalable technologies in our data center. So it's a mix of them. Mm. Now, okay, you mentioned something interesting there because the AWS stuff. So I think what, what what excites me about Einstein is that it's, it's a higher level API. So, you know, we've, we've kind of have lower, lower level APIs right now. Like I think of just image recognition Simple image recognition API. What is in this image? That's you know I think of that as a kind of a lower level API. So it's something that's really good for for Google to do. For example, Google has been doing image search for a really long time, um, but there's plenty of room for people to come in with higher level APIs that are built on top of the lower level API. So I'm curious if there are any APIs from other cloud service providers that you're leveraging cuz i cuz again i think salesforce is kind of in this position where you're you kind of have a higher level customer customer base it's almost like you know sort of why salesforce i mean i know salesforce has some some platform as a service products but i think of it as the same mentality of why salesforce is more more about saas than than pass it's a very good observation we have indeed we do have different layers of offerings to developers. If you look at the history, what we, not history, but like existing offerings outside AI, we have pre-built applications, Service Cloud, Service Cloud, pre-built applications. The, the reason we call them pre-built is because they're all customizable. 
you can go to the setup page as a Salesforce developer or administrator. You can go to the setup page and drag and drop, point and click. You can customize it however you want. In another layer, we have Visualforce, we have Force.com, enterprise developer platform, right? With a mix of some code or scripting language with some visual tools, then you can build more customized applications. And then going down to the next level, we also have Heroku. Heroku is uh, essentially an environment just slightly on top of the AWS infrastructure. Developers has all the flexibility. We call it like the high code environment. You can write your own code. You can deploy applications. You can select what database you use, like Postgres. You can select what messaging system you use, like Kafka. So we, you can get to really like deep details developer choices. And I think we are off, offering something similar in Einstein. You go down to the level of APIs. We have image, we have language APIs. So developers have all the flexibility to use these endpoints and create their own custom AI applications. Going up a little bit, we also have pre-built applications, for example, like Einstein lead scoring or predictive audience. These are the applications you can use. You just click one button and you enable it. But at the same time, you can also customize it. And in between, if you have some custom data, you want to customize it, you, the API also provides the flexibility for you to tune the model with your own data. Like I gave an example about the sediment your sediment analysis may be very different from other industry and you want to customize it. So we give this flexibility. Customers are important to Salesforce. Developer ecosystem is also very important and we try to give them different flexibilities to solve, solve the problems. And so talking about the API, going back to your questions, we tend to use our own technology when, whenever possible. Salesforce use Salesforce. We use our CRM to do our sales service. In Einstein, we also used our own vision API, our language APIs to do a lot of tasks as well. So whenever a technology is available in-house, we use it. Whenever a technology is available outside, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. But if there's a case that we can serve our customers better, we will just um, dedicate resources to it and build proprietary technology. Mm. Okay, makes sense. So uh, I want to begin to wrap up. How do you keep up with this field? Because the field of machine learning and artificial intelligence is moving quite fast. Do you read papers? Do you go to conferences? Do you have any techniques? Wow, yeah, it's a fast-moving space. Several years ago, I came out from my other startups. It, the world is different. And then I did some research study and the world's changed a lot. Now going into Salesforce from Prediction IO, the industry is moving like really, really fast. So it's a combination of all the things you mentioned. I speak in conferences, exchange ideas with the audience, with speakers. I attend conferences, read research papers, papers. We talk to customers. So working in Salesforce, we have the advantage to talk to customers. And a lot of the time, customers can tell you what's going on in their specific industry. 
what do they need, what their pain points are. That's the also makes us really exciting about Salesforce Einstein is that we're not doing pure research. We're solving customer problems. We are building AI for CRM. So I guess to wrap up, do you have any like thoughts on like what's the, what are the biggest challenges for for managing the Einstein project? Like because it it sounds like you've got a lot of surface area to cover. Yeah. I mean, you're, you've you you mentioned you have a bunch of different teams, a bunch of different engineering teams. You've got a wide variety of customers. Just talk a little bit about managing the project and and how do you do how do you prioritize and and manage the different teams? Yeah, you you have already mentioned the biggest challenge. Actually, the key word is prioritization, and that's really the biggest challenge to me. The possibility of applying AI in the customer success platform is unlimited. All the business lines. On one hand, we know that we have the capability, we have the resources to do a lot of things. We can make the sales process very smart. We can help custom companies to uncover customer insights. We can help them predict unknown events. We can help them make smarter decisions automatically and faster. And we can apply AI in so many areas. So... A lot of ideas, a lot of insights, a lot of potentials, but we can't do everything at the same time. So prioritization is important. Solution for that, I guess, again, is to talk to customers. They can tell us precisely what they need next month, what they need next year. So it's an ongoing battle to say, hey, there are so many exciting things we can do. Let's focus on just a number of things, make them work really well, serve customer really good, and deliver values to customers. All right, Simon. Well, it's been great talking to you about Salesforce and Einstein and all the stuff you're doing there. I look forward to seeing what comes next. Thank you, Jeff. It's a very exciting space, and I hope that we'll provide a lot more information about Einstein. So stay tuned to our new offerings. Okay, thanks. Thanks.